Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Well, good morning, Epiphany Church. What a delight and honor it is to be gathered with God's people virtually. Uh, listen, don't ever take for granted the ability that we have to gather together, even if it's simply just gathering online. Uh, it is God's grace and, and, and God's goodness to the church that we get to fellowship, even if it's in the chat room. I, I know some of us are, are tired of it, but uh, press on, keep pressing. It is God's grace. Well, I'm eager to preach the word today, and honestly, we do have a lot to do in a short amount of time to do it in. So grab your Bibles and go back to the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus. Book of Exodus is where we'll be. I know somebody is going, uh-uh, Pastor B, that is not the book of Romans. Uh, clearly, uh, I, I know that, but um, we, we need to make a detour today from our Romans series as we continue to journey through the book of Romans. We need to make a detour simply because... Uh, it's not only the last Sunday of the year, but it is also the last Sunday for our Spread Love camp, uh, Capital campaign. And many of you may not even know what that means. Gabe kind of talked about it a little bit uh, in 2018. Uh, in the fall of 2018, we set out to do a two-year capital campaign in order to raise resources for, uh, for a new facility, a, a larger meeting space. If you've never been to our church, trust me, it is not that many square feet. We, uh, we would jam pack in here. We were running three services and we knew we needed to kind of spread out a little bit. We felt like a, like a tree that was growing in a small flower pot that just kind of needed to spread its roots a little bit. And so we set out to do a capital campaign in order to raise the resources. I'm never scared to ask for money from God's people because I realized that is how God provides for the church. He does so through his people. Uh, and because we are at the last Sunday of that capital campaign, I thought it would be fitting to really preach on generosity, but do so from the angle of not asking you for more money, but just thanking you for what you have done and what you have given. And I realized over the last couple of years, there are many of you uh, that have stretched yourselves and sacrificed and really um, you, you did what I would call gospel driven sacrificial giving which is you allow the gospel to drive your giving. And so I, I kind of want to dig into the word of God today to see what God thinks about generosity, what God thinks about stewardship, what God thinks about your money. Uh, there's a lot of verses that talk about money. And so I found one in the Old Testament that is very consistent to what we have been uh, engaged in over the last couple of years. All right, let's get to it. We are in Exodus chapter 35. Shout out to Jeremiah. Grateful for him. Shout out to Artie. Uh, such uh, giftings that they bring to the church. And I'm grateful that they are here stewarding their giftings well uh, to build up the body. Everybody in the room, y'all good? All right. It's a few people in here. We are being very responsible. They are spread out. All right. Pick me up in verse number four. Exodus chapter 35, verse number four. Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of, please make note of this word, generous hearts. 
Let him bring to the Lord a contribution, gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skin, goat skin, acacia wood, oil for the light, for the light spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and stones for setting for the ephod for the breast uh, for the breastpiece. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. Jump down to verse twenty, real quick. Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. They came, everyone whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meetings and for all its services and for the, all, all the holy garments. So they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart. There it is again, brought uh, brooches and, uh, and earrings and signet rings and armlets, all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And everyone who possessed blue and purple and scarlet yarns or fine linen and goat's hair and tanned ram skin and goat skin brought them. Everyone who could make a contribution of silver or bronze brought it to the Lord's contribution. And everyone who possessed acacia wood of any use in the work brought it. And every skillful woman spun with her hands and they all brought what they had. They brought, brought what they had, spun in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. And all the women whose hearts were stirred, there it is again, stirred them, used their skills to spun goat's hair. And the leaders brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastpiece and the spices and the oil light, oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. Last verse. And all the men and women of the people of Israel, here it is again, whose heart was moved to bring anything to the work of the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. I want to preach today really expressing my gratitude. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your generosity. Let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Uh, Father, I pray Psalm 119, your word is a lamp unto our feet. And it's a light unto our path. And so, Father, today as we dig into your word, we do so realizing we are 100% dependent on you. I am dependent on you to preach and those who are listening are dependent on you to hear. So, Father, would you use this moment to transform hearts? I pray that as we preach about even resources and finances and money and bringing money to the church, that sometimes for people can rub them the wrong way. But, Father, I pray that you would mature us in you. That you would help us, even if we've had bad experiences with church and giving and finances, Father, I pray, oh God, that you would use this to draw deeper, not just about giving, but draw deeper into our hearts and heal wounds, past hurts. Do things that only you can do. Ultimately, I'm, I'm asking for gospel transformation today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your generosity. Well, here we are in 2020, a year that I think most of us in this room, but also those of you who are online, 
would say this is a year that has been a rough year. This is a year that many of us in a few days are looking forward to saying good riddance to. I saw an anonymous quote online that said 2020 is like looking both ways before you cross the street and then getting hit by an airplane. That there, there is just so many unexpected trials this year, whether it was the pandemic or there was escalated race issues, which already talked about there, there, there's COVID-19 death tolls. The numbers are still going up. This is the second wave going into a new year. Crazy politics and hardships financially, and many people have gotten laid off and, off and family members have died. This is just that year that has been rough for so many of us. In the last two weeks of the year, every year, not just this year, but every year, the last two weeks, I'm typically looking back and I'm looking specific, no matter how hard the year is, I'm looking for threads of God's grace throughout the year. I'm looking for moments that I can say, God, I saw your faithfulness here. God, I, I know this was hard and I really didn't want to endure this. I didn't like this, but nevertheless, you have been gracious. And when I did that and started to look back over the, the last year, 2020, there was one area that really stuck out to me. And that one area is how God continued to provide for individuals. I was amazed at how in the midst of a pandemic, people that have lost their jobs still eating, that they, they, they still have a roof over their head, that, that God is still providing. I love the way Artie said it. I can't say it as dope as he said it, but I'm not worried about a stimulus bill when we serve a God that has a cattle on a thousand hills. Did I say that all right, y'all? Yeah. All right, just wanted to make sure. Just wanted to make sure I'm about to get my spoken word on. I need y'all doing this in the, in the room. We serve a God that continuously provides, but not only for individuals, but how he has provided for his church has been sheer amazement. Every year we have a projected goal. Every year we try to be responsible. We put a budget together for the year and we try to stick within that budget. And there's a projected number that we're looking to hit uh, in terms of internal uh, revenue or internal growth. And here's the reality. Every single year since we've started our church, we have exceeded our projected goal. And what's crazy is 2020 has been such a rough year, but yet we've exceeded our goal. That is nothing but the faithfulness. Amen. Nothing but the faithfulness of our God. And I've said it before, you know, God doesn't provide for the church by just dropping a stack in the bank. I wish he would. He does not do a direct deposit from the bank of heaven into the bank of America account. That's just not how he does. He provides for his church through his people, through, through normal givers, through people sacrificing, through people struggling and saying, you know what, I, I know I, I could spend this on myself, but I got to give a small portion to the Lord because he's been faithful and he's been good. He provides through his people. And here's the reality in 2018, when we set out to do this capital campaign, we put before you that we wanted to raise in two years. We wanted to raise $300,000. That, that, that was our goal. We said, this is the number we want to raise and I'm excited to announce, as of this moment, you have blown that out the water. Over the last two years, amen, we wanted to raise, and we're trying to be as transparent with this, we wanted to raise 300000 uh, to uh, try to uh, obtain a larger facility. And here's what you raised, $489,766. Wait a second. And 38 cents. You better praise God for the 38 cents. 
with the change on. And let me tell you something. My, my, my goal to today is to rejoice over God's faithfulness in providing for his church uh, through this capital campaign. But not only that, but I want to look more broadly than that, at just how God has provided through you as an individual. It is a big deal. If you've given to our church on any level, literally, if you've given a penny to our church, we are grateful. We are thankful because it, it really what it is, is it, it's the woman with the two copper coins where everybody was bringing all this big money and the big change and they were bringing all this cash. And yet this two that this would this widow comes with two copper coins and Jesus looks and says she's given the most. Despite the fact that financially she didn't give the most what Jesus was saying, she, she sacrificed the most. So I'm grateful for whoever it is that has given to our church and here's the reality. Our resources have, the resources that you've provided for the church have made great impact even in 2020. I asked Gabe to pull a couple of stories together. So I'd love to read them to you real quick before we dig into the word. Here, here's what your resources have gone to this year. We, we've given multiple people uh, who were not able to stay in New York because of the crazy rent prices. They had to relocate during the pandemic. We were able to help people as they relocated out of New York that were here in New York. There was a family of six whose income had been reduced. And they, the, 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 the person was trying, the, the, the family was trying to do freelance and, and, and business and, and it wasn't working out well and they weren't able to generate income and you were able, your giving was able to help that family through our COVID-19 hardship fund. We were able to provide support for a barber who literally had no way of getting any other resources. He was ineligible for unemployment, yet our COVID-19 hardship fund was able to come through and help him out. We bought groceries for single parents who uh, weren't able to get the resources that they needed. You guys were able to help that. We were able to bless a church. I love this one. We were able to bless a church in our neighborhood that had major damages to their building. They had an unexpected inspection that literally cost them $20,000 to get fixed. And you were able to be not just one of the churches that helped them, but the first church. The pastor called me in a FaceTime, literally in tears, that your giving was able to help to sustain another church in our neighborhood. There was a family of four with one parent in school and the other parent was out of work and unable to receive unemployment. You were able to help them. A single parent of three, only able to work one day a week, you were able to help them. A single parent who has also uh, was a business owner, launched the business right before the pandemic hit and was financially struggling because of the pandemic and you were able to help them. Your giving has the potential to make major impact. Yes, your giving was able to help us to, to bring this live stream to you today and keep the lights on and it's warm in this room, although it's cold outside, your giving was able to do those things. But greater than that, your giving has made major impact for families that would not have had the resources. And here's what I love about the Bible. Not just here in Exodus 35, but the Bible has a lot to say about money. In fact, if you go to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one out of every 10 verses talks about money. The Bible has a lot to say about money. 
the church should have a lot to say about money. But here's the reality. Many of us have tread lightly on this topic. And the reason we do that is because we're fearful of what people have experienced in their past. And because people have been, their, their feathers have been ruffled in church, we don't preach about money. But if one out of every 10 verses talks about money, then the church should be talking about it. So today's sermon, I, I really want to lay before you uh, this idea of generosity, but come at it from saying thank you. But, but I also want to be very clear that I'm not after your money. I'm personally, I'm just not trying to get rich off the church. I don't have some hidden agenda. I'm not asking you for $300 million to get a private jet. I'm, I'm not asking you for that new black uh, Continental Bentley. If I get that, that's on my own. I'm not asking you for it. I would have such great convictions if I was trying to live life high off of the back of the church. But here's the reality. I don't have an agenda. I just simply want to tell you and show you how God requires that we give to him. He demands, and the text is going to show that, that he demands that we should give to him. So as we look at the scriptures today, I want to simply look at how God views our resources. And we come to a passage where God is desiring for his people to raise money to build a tabernacle. In other words, this is God's first capital campaign. He's in heaven. He's going, I need a place that I can dwell. I need a place that my body can all gather together to give me worship. But before we can build up the church, the tabernacle, I need to know where the money resides, where the money resides, where the money resides. I need to know where, where, the money, where, where is the money within my body. And I love this passage because Jesus actually does find out where the money resides. And here it is. It's right in the church. It's right among his people. He does not go outside. He does not get a loan from another nation. He says, Israel, you got it. I need it. Give it. That's his capital campaign. And they respond well. Let, let's do some context here real quick. Uh, I won't take long on this, but let me, let me give you the book of Exodus in a nutshell. Chapter 1 of Exodus shows me that Israel is in Egypt and they're growing and they're growing. They're not in bondage yet, but Pharaoh looks and he gets nervous and he says, you know what? I got to oppress these people because they're going to get larger than us. And then we start, so then he starts to oppress them, but the more he oppresses them, the greater they get, the larger they become. So he has another plan. He says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to kill all the male boys when they're born. The only problem is there are two midwives, Hebrew midwives named Sifra and Pua that are like, nah, I'm not obeying Pharaoh. I'm going to obey God. And so they let some babies live. And one of the babies that lives is a guy named Moses. The Bible says that, that, that Moses' mother wants to further protect him after he's born. So she puts him in a basket and lets him float up the river only to be found by Pharaoh's daughter, meaning he grows up in a, not just an Egyptian household, but royalty in the palace. He grows up in Pharaoh's household, but when he gets old enough, he knows he's a Hebrew and he sees how they are dealing harshly with Hebrews. And so he sees one day an Egyptian beating a Hebrew and he kills the Egyptian he gets fearful. I'm just giving you context. He runs to Midian, and the Bible says while he's in Midian, God decides to speak to him from a bush that's burning but not being consumed. He says, I got a mission for you. I need you to go back to Egypt, and I need you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. After some back and forth, because, Midian, uh, because uh, Moses just didn't think he was that dude, he finally goes, and he stands before Pharaoh, and he's like, I need you to let my people go. And Pharaoh was like, nah, I'm just not doing that. So God says, I got to flex my muscles. 
He sends a plague. Are y'all rocking with me? He sends a plague after plague after plague. And finally, the 10th plague, Pharaoh says, I'm going to let the people go. But when they are leaving, he reneges. Bible says that they get to the Red Sea and God opens up the Red Sea. Israel walks over on dry land and the Egyptian army tries to follow them only to be swallowed up by the Red Sea. And you would think that Israel would walk right in the promised land, but they're complaining, kept them into the wilderness for 40 years. They're being fed with a flaky like substance called manna. They're drinking water from a rock and God is just providing for them. And God is like, you know what I need to do? I actually need to put some rules in place because Israel will go crazy if I don't give them some, ba- some boundaries and guidelines. So he, he takes some stones and he writes a ten, uh, a, a ta- on two tablets, he writes the Ten Commandments. And what I love about the sequence, the order, is he delivers Israel and then he gives them law. Don't miss this because that is so consistent with the gospel. If you get it backwards, you will think that you obey in order to be delivered. But the reality is while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then he gives you a list of expectations after he saves you. In other words, this is so consistent with the gospel. The Bible says that in Exodus chapter 20, he gives them 10 commandments. Oh, but Israel is trifling. 12 chapters later. Israel breaks the first two commandments. How do they break the first two commandments? Because they build a golden calf. I mean, I don't know if y'all check me out, but I went from Exodus 1. We are now in Exodus 32. They build a golden calf, breaking the first two commandments. What are the first two commandments? You shall have no other gods before me. The calf was that. You shall make for yourself no carbon image. The calf was that. And you would think that God would wipe out Israel and pick another nation and say, this is now my nation. But God doesn't do that. Get to Exodus 34. God is gracious. He says, I'm going to give you all the Ten Commandments all over again. He writes the Ten Commandments all over again, Exodus 34. And after he does that, he gives them grace and allows them to live. We are finally at Exodus 35, our passage today. Now that he's let them live, he says, there's something I need you all to do now. I need y'all to collect within the resources within Israel, collect money and collect scarlets of thread and collect acacia wood and oil for the lamp and gold and silver. Collect all that stuff and bring it to Moses because I need y'all to build me a tabernacle. And in our passage today, Israel is about to do their first capital campaign. Now, here's why I'm not scared to ask you for money. Look back at the text with me. I'm not scared to ask you for money because Moses wasn't scared. In fact, I'm asking, watch what Moses does in verse number four. It says, Moses said to all the congregation, the people of Israel, this thing that you, this thing that the Lord has, here it is, commanded. Okay, jump down to verse 10. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. Over and over again, the text is going to tell us that God commands Israel to bring the resources to the storehouse so that his tabernacle can be built. I tread lightly when I'm asking for money, but not Moses. Moses is like, nah, I'm going to command you to do it. He doesn't have graphics. He doesn't have testimonies that are going to go out like we did today. He's not going to do a sermon on it. He's going to say, God commands you to give And therefore, you should give. Moses walks with a little bit more boldness than I do. 
Moses has a little bit more swag than I do because I'll ask you, but God is like, nah, I'm commanding it. The desire to see the church uh, provide for is a command by God. He expects us to do it. And I don't know who you are. I don't want to beat you up today, but I know there's, there's somebody that all year long, God has been providing, 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 and God really was a second thought on if you're giving anything back to him. God today is like, no, 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 no. Don't you get it twisted. I'm the one that provided. I can take it away as well. So therefore, I'm commanding you to give and Here's the reality, man. Some of y'all have been very gracious with your resources here at the church. I'll tell you this. The only thing worse than not having vision is having vision and no resources to fulfill the vision. That's the only thing worse than not having vision is having it and looking around and going, I ain't got no money in order to fulfill the vision. But you have been so kind and you have been so gracious in your giving this new facility will put us in a better position to do ministry. Trust me, we're not, we're not trying to ball out of control. We're trying to be in a better... You, do you realize we literally cannot even gather back together unless we have another facility? Our, our spot is just too small. There, there's no way to do social distancing where we are. So we needed the resources. Let me, we need the resources. Because I don't want you to think because the capital campaign is ended, then giving should stop. We got to continue to give a new sanctuary space will allow us for social distancing, which we are actively looking. The, the market has been a little tied up, but we are constantly looking. And I, I just believe that this pandemic is shifting some things. We, we almost feel like a, like a vulture that's kind of sitting over some buildings and we're looking and waiting for the thing to die. And we just going to jump right in and plant a church right in it. But the reality is you guys have been faithful. We need a home base. We need a spot that we, can, that, that we can say this is home of where, this is our Jerusalem. You know how the Bible says go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. This, where is our Jerusalem in Bed-Stuy? Where, where's our spot that we can say this is where we're actually doing ministry from? Years ago on uh, a Thanksgiving, I've said this before, but there, there was this one Thanksgiving where we were doing an outreach and we were setting out to feed over 300, uh, 300 families with hot, a hot meal, not boxes of food, but we were cooking the food and we were going to give it out. And, you know, we, we, we weren't doing that stuff. You know, we weren't doing the, the side. Like we did dishes that we would have on Thanksgiving Day. Got good food. So Gabe went down to Red Hook and he rented out a, a kitchen space or whatever because we didn't have anywhere to cook our food. And, and Miss Carol was there and, and Gabe was there. And, and I came over and we had all of these turkeys. In fact, we had 16 turkeys that we were cooking, but we ran out of time, literally had no more time. So Gabe calls me and says, I need to come to your house and stuff turkeys in your oven. And I'm going to go to Queens and I'm going to stuff turkeys in my oven. And we were just trying to keep up. But how dope would it have been if we had a kitchen? Like something so simple as a kitchen will help us with outreach. And that is what your resources have. That day we were able to feed over 300 uh, family members. But can you imagine how much greater we would be able to do if we had our own spot? And so over the last two years, I've asked you to give. I've asked you to give not to a building, but to lost people. I've asked you not, not to give to plaster and windows and walls and screens and cameras, but I've asked you to give toward hurting, broken, lost people, which is who Jesus came to save. So here's the motivation in the text, a command. Moses says, God commands you. That's the first motivation. But there is another motivation in the text for giving. And I would say the second one, if the command doesn't get you, the second one should. 
Here it is. The second motivation in the text is grace. What do I mean by grace? I said this before, but three chapters earlier, Exodus 32, go back and read it for yourself. Israel just messed up. Israel built a golden calf. They were disobedient. They sinned against God, the living God that has been faithful to them. So what God should have done in his holiness, because you know sin can't be in his presence, what God should have done was killed Israel. He should have wiped them out. But he allows them to live. I told you Exodus 34, he's gracious because it says in verse 6 that the Lord God is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger and he he abounds in steadfast love and faithfulness. Here it is, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. All three. He forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. That's your homework this week. See what the difference is between the three. Whatever it is. He forgives all of it. And so he gets to Exodus 35 and now he says, I need resources from you. And the people respond overwhelmingly because they realize that they should have died in Exodus 32. They realize that they should have never made it to Exodus 34. And you might still be thinking about Israel, but now I'm talking about you. You shouldn't have made it out of January 2020. But God allowed you to live. God allowed you to still be breathing. It is nothing but grace. And so the motivation to give back to God is because he didn't kill your butt. The motivation to give back to God is because when I was dead in my sins, he didn't let me die. But he said, no, I love him and I want to save him and I want to clean him up. Let me give you Bible Romans chapter 6 verse 23. But for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The fact that he sent his one and only son to die on a cross to absorb the wrath of God that you deserve. Should, it should birth in you a motivation to give and to respond back. This is why I said the reason we give is because of the gospel. The greatest motivation to give is because God has given to you. I want to try to, I can't, but I want to try to outgive God. I can't do it. I know I can't do it. But what the old song used to say back in the day, you can't be, you can't be God's given. God gave Jesus. You ain't got nothing else to give. But I'll tell you this, whatever you do, whatever little you do have, you should be giving back to the Lord. The motivation is God's, the gospel. The motivation is God's grace. I don't give because I'm scared I'm going to be cursed with a curse. I, I, don't, I don't give because I want God to enlarge my territory. I give because I want God to enlarge his kingdom here on earth. That is the motivation for giving is because God is gracious. Would you type that in the chat room for me? Grace is always the motivation. Take that in for somebody because there is somebody that honestly gives because they give out of fear. They give because they don't want God to blow up their tires and cut their rent. That's why they give. But the reality is I don't give for that. I give because God has been gracious. Grace is always the motivation. Grace is always the motivation. Type that in. Grace is always the motivation. The fact that he gave his one and only son motivates me. It does something to me. When I think about the gospel, I really, and I look at uh, my paycheck come in, I say every, there has not been a paycheck in 2020 that I didn't give a portion back to God. Because I realized that God, like, and here's the reality, he only asked you for a small piece. He really owns all of it, and he could take all of it, but he gives you 
and says, you can have most of it. I just, I just want a small piece, and some will say 10%. Whatever that number is for you, be committed and stick to it. I know somebody on here going, why are he beating us up today? I'm, I'm not beating you up. I'm just saying God expects that you would give back to him. And so chapter 32, they should have died. They, they, they made it out of chapter 32. They made it chapter 35. And so they realized that God has been gracious, so they respond. But that's not the only motivation in the passage. There is another motivation. Check me out in verse 5. Y'all tracking with me in here? Yeah. Verse 5, just look at all the stuff that they bring. I'm not even going to read all of it. Just gold, they bring silver, bronze. Purple and scarlet and fine twined linen and goat hair and sand. I mean, it's a case of wood. They bring stones. They bring all of this stuff. And I don't know if you're asking the question I was asking. But when I read this, I asked myself, how in the world do former slaves that left Egypt get through the Red Sea, get to the wilderness, get all this gold? Like, did they stop by another nation and, and steal? God, like, where did you don't see any battles up until this point? They haven't stolen. They haven't plundered anybody. So where did they get this gold from? Here's where they got the gold from. God is so gracious. He didn't only deliver them out of Egypt, but he favored them with the gold from Egypt. He said to them, before you leave, go get their gold. Go get the silver. Go get their acacia wood. Go, go, go get all, you know, in a, in, a, in a crazy way, it is almost as though God is saying, because you were enslaved, you are owed reparations. But I'm going to just let that slide. I'm going to keep on reading. Exodus chapter 12. Here, here, here's, what, here's what God says. It says, the people of Israel also had done as Moses told them. They asked the Egyptians, watch this, for silver. They asked the Egyptians for gold jewelry. They asked the Egyptians for clothes, clothes got clothing. And the Lord God gave the people favor. Don't you miss verse 36. The Bible just said that God said, take all of it, but consider it my favor. In other words, the, the gold that they have to build the tabernacle is a result of God's favor. All that they have is a result of, I know you work hard for your money, but I need to ask you today, where does your gold come from? Where does your silver come from? Where do the resources you have in your bank account come from? I'm not asking you to give to the church based on something that you worked hard and earned. No, it is a result of God's favor. The money you have is a result. The promotion you have is a result of God's favor. You got that position even in the midst of a pandemic because of God's favor. That business continued to thrive if you're an entrepreneur because of God's favor. I know you worked hard for it, but I know people that work just as hard as you and don't have what you have. And the reason you have it is because God's ultimate favor. Listen, Israel didn't earn it. They didn't deserve it. God said, it's my favor. It is my grace. It is my kindness. So your goal today, your silver, whatever it is that you're asking, you see, that's why I'm not scared to ask you for it. Because at the end of the day, I know it's not yours. I know it's God's and he's allowing you to steward it. The question is, are we stewarding it well? Let me tell you something about, about your, your, your heart. Your bank account really is an x-ray of your heart. If you want to know what your God is, look at your bank account. You want to know who you worship? Look at what you spend on every month. Because if you don't see anywhere in your bank account that you've given back to God, you need to ask, is he really my God? 
Oh, no, pastor, I ain't trying to hear you, pastor. I, I work hard. From, I ain't taking it from you. You grind. I get you. You work hard. I, I feel you. But I do know that you, you working hard is not the result that you get. The, the results that you get is only God's favor. And so they say, God, Moses says, man, bring all that stuff to me because I know back when y'all was in Exodus chapter 12 in Egypt, I, I know where the gold came from. I, I know where your resources came from. So a larger facility... You're giving toward a larger facility will, again, help us. Even if you say, you know this pandemic ain't going to take the church out, right? Okay. Okay. Let, let me help you out. You know this pandemic ain't going to take you out, right? Yeah. Like, you, you need to have faith in a God that provides for you week in and week out. You may not be eating what you want to eat, but you ate. Every day you ate, and it's because God has been so gracious to you. And so here's the motivation we have in the text so far. Number one, the motivation is God commands it. That's the greatest motivation. Number two, because God is gracious. And then finally, number three, because they realize where their gold come from. Their gold comes from God's great favor. Don't just look at that they brought all the gifts. Look at the range of the gifts. I don't have time to read it again, but all of the gifts range in value. They're not all, everybody didn't bring gold. Everybody didn't bring silver. Some people just brought oil. Some, some people just bought, 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 bought threads. Some people just bought goat, goat skin and they took all of it and they brought it together. And many of us are fearful of giving to the church because we think that our giving doesn't really matter. My, my, my little bit of giving, that little droplet ain't going to help anything. But the, can we agree that goat skin probably is of less value than gold, but nevertheless, the person that got bought goat skin is just as sacrificial as the person that bought gold? Yeah. So, so it doesn't matter what you bring. It doesn't, doesn't matter what you put into the to collection plate or online. It doesn't, doesn't matter collection plate. I'm thinking about the gold with the red velvet collection plate. <laughs> It doesn't matter what you give to God. At the end of the day, he uses all of it. This is why when I said the money, I made sure to say the 38 cents. I had to say the 38 cents because God took all of it. He takes all of it and he expands it and he uses it for his glory. This is also why you shouldn't discount what you got in your bank account. You know, God can take that and make a lot. If he could feed thousands of people with two fish and five loaves, if he could take the widow at Zarephath in 1 Kings 19 and stretch her meals over and over and over again, every time she poured oil, it just kept coming. Every time she dug to get flour, it just kept coming. Why? Because she was obedient to God and she gave her. What, what gave back to her was her giving. So again, I'm not, I'm, listen, I ain't promising you that if you give, you're going to get a car. I'm, I'm just not promising you that. I, I just can't do it. That there's something in me that is convicted by trying to preach prosperity. I'm simply saying, you give not to get back. You give because God already gave. He already gave. And what he gave, you can't outgive. And so the motivations in the text should challenge you today. The motivations that are in the passage should encourage you. Now, what does Israel do? Israel says, I'm going to respond. Now, the response really is in chapter 36, and I don't have time to preach it. I'll, I'll read one verse. I don't have time to preach it, though. Here's how they gave. Moses said, you got it. We need it. So watch what they do. The Bible says here in verse 4, 
Actually, let me read verse 3. It says, And they received from Moses all the contributions that the people of Israel had brought for doing, this is chapter 36, brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came each from his task that he was doing and, he, and said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work. So Moses commanded us to do, uh, Moses commanded us to do so. It says, so Moses gave a command and the word was proclaimed throughout the camp. Don't miss this. Let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing for the material they had was sufficient. Let me say that again. The material they had was sufficient to do all the work. Don't miss this and more. God didn't only provide. God didn't only give Moses what he asked for. He gave so much that Moses had to say, wait, wait, wait. Y'all giving too much. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine you are looking for God to do something and you turn around and say, God, you giving me too much, though. I ain't never prayed that prayer. Like, I, I ain't never said, God, it's just too much. Like, there's too much money. Like, I'm never, I don't know what that feels like. But here we have in the text that they just kept bringing it and bringing it and bringing it and bringing it. And really what you see in Exodus 36 is what you, how you responded in 2018, when I asked you to give 300000 you gave almost a half a million. You, your, your, your little droplets, and some of you, your big droplets, praise God for you. You kept giving and you kept giving and we were able to raise almost a half a million dollars and it is nothing but good stewardship. It is, it is nothing but sacrificial giving. Consistently, year over year, you exceed the projected goal. Consistently. And this is just me just saying thank you. Like, I, I, wish I, could, I wish I could thank each of you individually because God has used you in such a way to make great impact in this neighborhood. I'll end here. You know, maybe you don't have the money. Maybe like Pastor B, I feel you in, and I wish I could give. We're in the midst of a pandemic, so I want you to be wise. I want you to be a good steward of your money. And maybe you're like, Pastor B, I just, but I can't. I got you. You know what's so dope about this passage? They didn't just bring money. But verse 10 says, let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. In other words, in verse 10, they didn't bring money. They brought their skills. They brought their giftings. Before we went live today, I was shouting everybody out that's here in the room, the, the, the band that's here, and Jeremiah is here, up here from Philly, and there's a tech crew here and Tracy's doing welcome and Abe's doing announcements and there's people doing sound and people in the tech room. That is verse 10. I am bringing my gifting and my skill to build the church. This is what I know that some of you aren't able to give. And we pray God will continue to provide for you. But there is somebody that has a gifting and a skill that they could bring to the church. Shoot, we bring it to corporate America. We kill it on our, on our freelancing. How many people have freelanced for Jesus this year? How many people said, I'm just going to bring, I can't do a lot, but I can give you a couple hours. What do you need? And shout out to y'all because, man, I, there have been times I've been walking in the street 
and see members and they're going, I know we're in a pandemic, but what can I do? How can I serve? How, how can I give up my time and my, my talent? God is challenging many of you today to be a good steward over your resources, but also be a good steward over your finances. I'm going to end our time today by praying for your finances, praying for the provision that only God can give. Stop looking at your skills to bring in the money. Your gold is from God. Your silver is from the Lord. I want to pray for you today. Father, I thank you. I am grateful for every single person that has given to your church. May we as a church be good stewards over the resources that God has given us. May we invest it into people and ministry and those who are hurting. Because at the end of the day, Lord, we ain't taking his money with us. We manage it in here on earth, but Father, it's going to stay here on earth. And the same thing for us as individuals. I know people are in a hard time. Lord, I pray for open doors. I am not afraid, Lord, to pray that you would give favor to every person that is watching right now. Every person that's piped on. Somebody that just lost their job. Somebody that we're at the end of the month that don't even know how they're going to get into 2021. That rent is in the rears. In arrears, and we, 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 we don't have it in order to give it, but God, I pray that you would provide for them. They would see an overflow of your abundance and that you would put them in a place that they would be able to say, my God is Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. Father, I thank you, oh God, for how you provided for our church. You provided for the building of the church. We're able as a church, oh God, to pay rent every single month thankful we're able to keep these lights on we're able to buy flat screen TVs and father here's the reality you don't need us in order to provide for your church you can do it without us but you choose to allow us to participate you didn't need Israel for the tabernacle you could have dropped the tabernacle and they could have woke up and saw it but you allowed them to participate and so, Father, I just, I don't want to belabor the point. I just thank you for your provision and for your grace. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.